Welcome to E to the Power of Three, a podcast of Bridging the Gap, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Kristen, and today we're honored to hear from pastor, national speaker, and podcaster Portia Allen as she has a conversation with our podcast host, McKelty Bloom. In this leadership episode, they will be discussing the importance of racial unity within the church and how church leaders and members can intentionally and humbly work together toward meaningful conversations and growth. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of E to the Power of Three. I am McKelty Bloom, and I'm already having a good time. (laughs) We are already having a blast over here. We are joined by Portia Allen. And Portia, we are just excited that you are here today. I am so excited to be here with you. This This is a great platform to reach women of God. And also, I'm fully convinced that men listen as well. Oh, I'm sure. And so this is just, this is just an amazing opportunity to connect with people. So thank you for allowing me to be here. Of course, of course, of course. And we've already been having really good conversation. I feel like we jumped right into it. And Kristen finally was like, I'm just going to record. <laughs> so We'll just piece it together. It's going to be fine. We'll just edit it all in later. But um, for those of us who don't know you as sure. well, would you just introduce yourself a little bit about you, your family, what yeah. you enjoy doing? Sure. So I'm Portia Allen, and I'm married to Clinton Allen. He is a worship pastor at a local church. Um that is River Valley Church. And so we have been in Minnesota just about nine years. Mm-hmm. We came to be a part of the church. And so I am not native to Minnesota, but we love it. I will take the bitter cold over the hot of Dallas, where we're from, any day. Really? Yes. Oh, oh. girl, yes. Because you can always put oh. more on. That's true. Perspective. That's you can true. take it all off and you're still hot. And, <laughs> you know, true. there's other problems that go <laughs> along with that, right? Yeah. Um, we have three kids, three boys, 10, nine, and four. So we're never bored. No, that's Ever, <laughs> ever, ever. And um, I recently became a credentialed pastor at the Assemblies of God. Woo! Shout out to the AGs for, you know, fanning the flame of women in ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I am a speaker, teacher, writer, wife, mom. And uh, those are the high points about who I am. I'm the youngest of three, for those who care. <laughs> But have firstborn tendencies, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we could keep going down this trail. Right, right. But, um, I just recently added to a bio um, bridge builder because I believe that's part of what God has asked me to do mm. is to build bridges with people specifically around the areas of race and in the church because mm-hmm. I love the body of Christ and I believe that God has great plans for the church. And I think the enemy wants to use this issue of race to trip up and to impede the call of God over mm-hmm. his people. So mm-hmm. anything I can do to help along those areas, I'm like, sign me up. I'm all about it. Yeah, because I think, true, he truly finds ways to like, where are areas that people might disagree on mm-hmm. and might feel really hurt by? Mm-hmm. And like, how can I get my hands in there yes. and make it worse instead yes. of connected and unified. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're just, you know, so honored that you are willing to come and share with us. And you mentioned you're a speaker mm-hmm. and I know you're a podcaster mm-hmm. and all that. What does that look like for you? What do you oh, speak at? And where do you yeah. go? What do you do? Um, pretty much if you ask me to come and it fits in the schedule, I'm going to come. <laughs> yeah. And so that's been really fun, mostly mm-hmm. to women's groups, conferences, mm-hmm. retreats, things like that. And then um, occasionally the Lord will open the door for me to be in secular spaces. And so I am a teacher by profession. So mm. I am used to being in secular spaces and mm-hmm. being kind of undercover 
undercover, if you will, of (laughs) being able to talk to people, knowing that you're hearing from Holy Spirit specifically in that moment. But I'm not saying, this is what I feel the Lord is saying Mm -hmm. right now, because that's, you know, what? That's weird if you are not used to church things. And so um, God's been opening that door more and more to be able to step into secular spaces. So I'm probably 75, 25, 75 within the church, Mm -hmm. doing church type events, and then the other 25% motivational speaker or whatever it is they want me to talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get to talk about educational things. Mm -hmm. I love elementary ed. That's my sweet spot. And um, I'm all about kids achieving what they have been created to achieve. And that might look different for every kid. And so um, currently I'm a part of She Speaks Stories podcast. I'm Mm -hmm. one of three hosts. Mm -hmm. And so we know that stories change lives. And I um, really enjoy doing that. It looks practically like on my husband's day off (laughs) that I hole up in my office (laughs) and he mans the fort with Mm -hmm. the kids, however many happen to be at home at Mm -hmm. that time, so that I can podcast, so I can edit, so that um, I can write if I'm writing, so I can prepare messages, or I'm up early or up late again whenever the kids are occupied, hopefully in their bed, right? (laughs) Um, So that's what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And so God has been super faithful to give opportunities to speak and to share because I want to cheer people on mm-hmm. and what God's called them to do. Um, I'm a self-appointed cheerleader for you. I love that. Whomever you may be. So. I have used that a lot where I'm mm-hmm. like, I am your personal cheerleader. Yes. I'll be in your corner rooting for you. And I love that. I think that creating a platform where we are able to share our stories, that's mm-hmm. how real change is made because Absolutely. the me too comes out of, yes. oh, I didn't know I was not alone in that. Yes. And I think that, again, is a ploy that the enemy uses. Mm-hmm. Keep your story to yourself. Don't tell anybody what happened. Nobody Don't tell, cares. Right? Yeah. And no one's going to understand. But as soon as we share and we shed light, I think so much freedom comes. And so I love being a part of any type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we do, right? If we're right. communicating, hopefully we are also sharing stories. Mm-hmm. So information carries best in story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is the perfect segue mm-hmm. into what we're talking about. And I was even sharing with you a little bit before we even got started with with this topic of race and um, reconciliation, you know, specifically in the church. This has been a hard year. It has. This has been a heavy and just a deep year overall. And there are some people that I'm talking to in a positive way saying, I am tired. Like mm-hmm. the fatigue of the conversation, mm-hmm. not in a negative way, but just like there's so much going into it and just need it. It's just, yeah, it's been a really, really tough year. And I think that a lot of people have started to open up in that way of like, I need to learn. Mm -hmm. Like I need to come into this with humility to be able to hear other people's stories, to hear other people's experiences and to learn what I can be doing better. And I I shared with you before, like before I started talking about this and I, I teach foster care and adoption classes. And one of the segments is all about transracial and transcultural. And I talked with my co-presenter and just said, you know, I feel so unqualified Mm -hmm. to talk about this because it's just really hard for me to bring that. And she says, you know what? But just that attitude of coming into it is better than I know everything. Right. (laughs) I mean, even myself and for the listeners that don't know, let, let me just go ahead and lay it out for you. I am a woman of color 
AKA black girl, <laughs> brown. How I'm really brown right now because it's summertime. <laughs> um, but just in case people didn't know that, mm-hmm. even as a person of color, there is so much that I have been learning mm. about my own story, my own journey, my husband's story, things that we've talked about, but we're talking about in a different way. Mm-hmm. I'm asking different questions of my parents, of my family members. And so I think all of us have to acknowledge that we are all learning because mm-hmm. yes, I am a black woman, but first and foremost, I'm a daughter of God. Mm. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and all of that comes under submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that I erase who I am, but I don't define who I am first by my ethnicity. First, Mm. I'm a daughter of God who happens to show up in packaging that I really love. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So No, that's really good. Yeah. And and that's what I hope to bring to today. You know, something that my co-presenter says is, you know, this change our mindset from this is a uncomfortable conversation to a meaningful conversation. So good. And I love that ever since she said that, I felt Mm -hmm. so much more confidence in it that I don't have to come to this conversation feeling like I know everything, that there can be hard questions Mm -hmm. and uncomfortable (laughs) questions, but creating it in a mindset of this is meaningful. Absolutely. And that's what I hope that we do today is just have this meaningful conversation. Absolutely. So I'm excited about it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So (laughs) first, I guess, let's just like set the broad subject. What is Mm -hmm. racial reconciliation? What does that even mean? What are we talking about today? Full disclosure, I like a little bit think that racial reconciliation is a little bit of a misnomer. We use Mm. it because people understand it, but to reconcile means to put something back to the way that it was before. But in our nation, Mm. African-Americans have never been reconciled to Caucasians. So, Mm. But I understand why we use it. It's a handle for us to hold on to because we are talking about bringing together. But Mm. to reconcile is to – you get the point. What would be better said then? That's a great point. I never even thought about you that. You know, I've thought about it. And because it's just the term that's used in society, I haven't really put much thought into what would be better. But if I had to, to just pick something out of the air right now, it's just maybe more ethnic unity. Because, I mean, we could go down the road of there's only one race and it's a human race. And the human race just happens to represent in different ethnicities, different hues, different cultures, different preferences. And I think it's very beautiful. I think in our very core, we love diversity. But because we don't know how to handle all of the diversity, Mm -hmm. that's where some of the discomfort comes. And then you add in sin nature and then you add in just all of the other (laughs) things that are in our Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. And so, but racial reconciliation for our purposes today, specifically within the church, I think there's a lot of just recognizing that the minority around you has not had or potentially is not having the same experience as you are as majority culture, to recognize that the minorities around you maybe have not felt heard about the things that are really concerning to them or things that are really joyful to them. It's just a recognition that everything is not about the majority. Mm -hmm. We have to pay attention to the minority as well. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to take intentional steps regularly, consistently, and not just in the month of February for our churches, I think is huge (laughs) Mm -hmm. under the umbrella of racial reconciliation. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. So, you know, like I said, we talked about that a lot. And why is it important specifically in the church? Sure. 
Um, last year, I felt the Lord take me to uh, John 17. It's when Jesus is praying. I think he's praying like in 15, 16, 17. If you have a red letter Bible, there's lots of red in those chapters. <laughs> it's a red section. It's a definitely a red section. We should pay attention. So he's praying for his disciples. He's praying for all these different things. And then he shifts and he says, Father, I don't only pray for these that you've given me, but I pray for those who will believe because of their message. And that's us. Mm-hmm. We believe, if you go far enough back, we are believers because we believe the message that the disciples carried literally to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. And so he continues and he says, Father, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one mm-hmm. so that the world would believe that you sent me and that you love them. So if we as a church can get this unity piece specifically around um, people of color that are in uh, majority settings of churches, if we can get that, whoa. What if we get to remove all of the hurdles that other people outside the church are like, well, I can't go there because that's not a safe place for me. Mm. I can't go there because they're not going to hear the things that wound my heart. I can't go there because the social issues that are important to me are not going to be important to them. Mm. But what if we loved people enough to come together? And even if we don't agree around, I'm going to say the P word politics, but because you're my brother or my sister in Christ, I love you and I'm Mm -hmm. for you. And we don't have to agree about all the details of each other's lives, but I can be for you because you've been sealed with the blood of Christ. I've been sealed with the blood Mm -hmm. of Christ. And we want everybody to come into relationship with Jesus. And Mm -hmm. we'll just figure out these other things as we go, right? Yeah. So um, I'm super passionate about it because I do believe that it is when I look at the conversations that I'm seeing in my own church and other people's churches and how angry people have gotten and people have just said, well, I'm leaving. I can't I can't be a part of this. And the enemy likes to get people off alone and out of community. And no church is perfect. Mm-hmm. Come on, folks. No Mm-mm. church is perfect. Mm-mm. So if we recognize that and we give the grace that we've received, I really think that we can make huge strides in hearing and feeling, what is the word, empathy. Mm-hmm to empathize with somebody else, Mm -hmm. right? Not, I'm sorry this happened to you, period, but just to sit in grief with someone. I mean, if anybody is like me, I am discovering new grief about things that I've just kind of ignored. Mm. I've grown up in primarily white spaces. Um, My father was in the military. And then he was a pastor, and I love the Assemblies of God. It is growing in its diversity, but when I was a kid, we were not a very diverse body. And so I learned from my dad, rather than leave and go do something else, let's stay and affect change. Mm. And so that's kind of been my heart posture. And so because of that, I've been the only a lot in my life. And so as an adult, and especially in these last this last year and a half, I've really been confronted with, am I just getting in to fit in to get along? to not make waves, or am I being who God has called me to be? Mm-hmm. And that has been some interesting introspection for myself. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, I have found myself in spaces of grief, of just grieving, oh, this isn't what I thought it was, and then releasing that to the Lord. I think grief is really important to acknowledge yeah. and to, to deal with in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And so I have done that before the Lord, with my husband, with my counselor, hashtag therapy is awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, of just, whoo, to process all of the things that have happened in this last year. Yeah, yeah. 
I want to sit and camp out here in the church Mm -hmm. for a little bit. So I think one of the best things that a church can be doing is diversifying, of course, mm-hmm. and but specifically diversifying staff yes. because representation matters. Can, can you talk to me a little bit about sure. what is representation and why does it matter so sure. much? I think when you're in an environment that has only one culture, then your church staff should look like that culture. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a community that has different cultures, then you should do your dead level best to bring in, disciple those that look like your community. I think Mm -hmm. your church should look like the community that you're in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think for churches, our communities have changed, Mm -hmm. and we haven't realized that our communities have changed, so we're a little bit behind the curve. Mm -hmm. But there's grace for that as well. Um, I heard a message by, um, he's one of our big four in Springfield, but he used to be the former superintendent of North Texas. His name is Rick DeBose. I just heard a message or I just heard a podcast about stealing other people's words. So that's why I'm being very specific on who this person (laughs) is. Rick DeBose, he's amazing. And he preached a message about it's in the harvest. And so that would be part of my challenge to churches or encouragement even of, okay, if you don't have people of color in your church, in the laity first, Let's go out to where the community exists, if it's in your community, and let's minister and let's evangelize. Let's get people saved, right? Mm -hmm. So they're in our church. And then as far as leadership, I think that you need to look at, um, I mean, we are fortunate to live in the Twin Cities, and we have North Central that's right here. Mm -hmm. And so um, everybody that goes to North Central is not of majority culture. And so I think that we can recruit where people of color are coming from. And so maybe that means we have to diversify where we're recruiting from. Maybe we need to look at different spaces. Mm-hmm. I have a good friend that her company, that's what they do is they are a hiring company for businesses. And so one of the things they do is to change where they're recruiting from. If you're recruiting from a monoculture location, well, then you're not going to have diversity in your staff. It doesn't matter what your industry is. Mm -hmm. And so I know it can be easy to say, well, there just must not be people of color that are going to fit this role. I I just, I don't think that's true. I think that maybe we just need to look in a different place. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that means going outside your city. Maybe that means going to a different state. Maybe that means looking into a different district. Maybe that means looking at one of our other amazing schools that are within the Assemblies of God. Hail to Southwestern. That's where I went to school. Um, no disrespect to North Central. I think that you guys are great. <laughs> I'm a North but. Central alum, so I'll bow. Right <laughs> but Sagu in the house, I mean. <laughs> so I think sometimes we just have to do things differently, specifically in our leadership. In the same way that we want to see women in leadership, we want to see different people of color of leadership. But again, not for the sake of having diversity, represent what your community looks like. Mm-hmm. If your community does not look like Um, who your staff is, then we need to do something different. It's almost like Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. (laughs) So you also need to be like open, need to be. That's very strong language. But I think there needs to be an openness to, okay, my congregation all looks like this. I want my congregation to look like heaven one day. Mm -hmm. So I think there's something to be said for being intentional on the front end, because if you come into a place and you see someone that you can connect to, representation matters, Mm -hmm. it grows. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I've seen that happen time and time again, when you can see someone that you identify with culturally, 
then it you are sending the message of this is a safe place for you to be. Yeah. So, and I think on top of that too, like with representation, when people ask me specifically, why does representation matter? I feel like it's like because then you have all of these different voices being heard. Yes. You have different perspectives, yes. and don't you don't you want that? The, right. The woman's perspective, mm-hmm. that you know, all of these different things that can help you understand more and grow more and coming into it not with this mindset of like well do you want this job just you know if you're looking at diversity Mm -hmm. like offering someone the job it's like well because you fit the statistic that we need but like because I want to hear your voice right I want to hear your perspective I think that's so important that you said that McKelty because otherwise it can feel like tokenism it can feel like we picked you because you have the right pigment and Mm -hmm. that's obviously that's not what we want to communicate it is an invitation to the table for making decisions and impacting culture it's an invitation to I want to hear how your experiences impact how you minister Mm-hmm. I want to hear how your experiences impact how you make decisions, maybe how you parent. There's so many different things that different perspective helps and um, or impacts. And so I love, I love how you said that. That's that's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I might steal it, but I'll Don't tell you. It. But I'll say, say McKelty it. said it. <laughs> um, I, I a lot of that really. So Carlos Whitaker, I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying Los, his name right. You are. He was on a podcast I was listening to. I'm pretty sure it was Annie F. Downs. And they were talking about this. Mm-hmm. And he said something that like completely just changed my perspective on if you are not hearing other people's different opinions than right. yourself, then mm-hmm. something is wrong. Yes. Like in every area of your life, whether it is like politics or just the way you parent mm-hmm. or other things like that, if you're not hearing at least the different side, right. then you should be. Because one, that helps you to solidify your mm-hmm. value, yes. your belief. Mm-hmm. And also you're just getting a different perspective. Absolutely. And you can get nervous about that. Yes. It goes that to that uncomfortable afraid mm-hmm. thing. But there's so much growth. And I think that absolutely applies to this Mm -hmm. area. Would you agree? Absolutely, I would agree. And I think it also gives you practice to love someone who disagrees with you. Because even Jesus said, he was like, okay, you're good to those who are good to you. Good for you. Even the pagans do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that if we're not careful, that's what happens in our surroundings where we have people that are only saying the same things that we're saying. They're listening to the same music. They're reading the same books, all of the same. And when there's no diversity, I think you end up having a lot of blandness. Mm. I think that you're not able to think outside the box. If we want to be creative, if we want to have vision, you have to look at things that are different. And if you're going to look at things that are different, then invite people in. You're not going to change who you are. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's one of those things of like, Lord, as I'm hearing these things, let me keep the things that I need Mm -hmm. and let me spit out the things that I don't need. Um, I don't think we should come from a place of fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear, right? But of love, power, and a sound mind. Mm -hmm. I really believe that as people of God that we can endure having conversation and even relationship with people who think differently than we do. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, I think it gives us more empathy. My empathy has grown in certain areas because I have people in my life that aren't projects but are my friends Mm. that think differently than me. Mm -hmm. So then when it comes up in my church circles, I'm able to say, but what if? Let's take the environment for for an example. Mm -hmm. That's a huge deal for some people, almost to the point of worship. And we don't worship the created. (laughs) We worship the creator. Mm. But what if in the church we recycled and just were more intentional about what we were doing for our environment, what if that is the very thing that the Lord would use to soften someone's heart that will not darken the doorway Mm. of a church? Mm -hmm. And so in the same way around race, what if just being willing to have the conversation 
just to come close and to tell me about your experience um, instead of just, nope, I don't want to hear that because I don't agree with that. What if just being willing to engage in the conversation softens someone's heart and then they are willing to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah. It all comes back to the gospel. Yeah. So I don't think we have to release who we are or what we stand for mm-hmm. to come close to someone who believes differently or stands for different things. Mm-hmm. So. That's so good. That's so powerful. I'm wondering if you could share, I don't know if this you've ever had this experience or just what you think would be a good idea, just some sort of encouragement for, let's say there's someone right now that is in a church mm-hmm. and, you know, a person of color that's like, I need to, I need to mm-hmm. spark a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, what is an action step sure. that they can do? And it might be pushing out yeah. of their limit and they might get nervous about it. Sure. But, you know, what's one thing that they can do to spark that conversation within the church? Mm-hmm. And, you know, even from your experience as yeah. a pastor on a pastoral yeah. staff, yeah. Um, what's something that we can do? Sure. Um, I think it's something for the person of color, it is nerve wracking sometimes because, as I said, I grew up, let me get in and fit in and not make waves, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so um, it is scary at times to think, what if this is not received well? So I think with prayer, I think that you need to have a a friend that you talk to first. Um, This isn't the same as gossip where you're like, Mm. this happened and I'm mad about it. And you go and tell five people (laughs) before you go and talk to the leader that you should talk to. I think whoever in your circle, hopefully, hopefully, those in your circle have already talked to you. And I'll flip this for just a second. For those that are a part of majority culture and you have friends of color, it's okay to say, I'm not exactly sure what to say, Mm -hmm. or I'm even nervous that I may say the wrong thing, so I haven't said anything, but I would encourage you, say something. Mm -hmm. Because the saying something speaks volumes of just that there is an openness and a willingness to have these types of conversations. And so I have said that to so many of my friends. They're like, I just don't want to offend you. And I was like, you're probably not. And if you did, I would tell you, I value this friendship enough to tell you if my feelings were hurt, but I really don't think that you're going to. Mm-hmm. Because I recognize that people are just, they're, they're, they're curious and they're asking questions and we want to do it right, right? Mm-hmm. We want to mm-hmm. get it perfect. But newsflash, we are not perfect yeah. and we're going to mess up and we're going to have our foot in our mouth sometimes. But you spoke about this earlier. If we lead with a posture of humility, mm-hmm. of, and that goes both for people of color and majority culture. Mm-hmm. If we will lead and lean in with humility of we might get this wrong, we might be trucking along and things are great, and then something is said that sparks tension. But if we will commit, because we belong to Jesus, mm-hmm. to continue to have the conversation, I think that goes a long way. So for the person of color in a congregation, I would encourage you to have a friend first um, to talk about these things. And then if you have a relationship with your leadership, depending on the size of your church, just to be open and say, I would like to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, your leaders might be in that same space of, I don't know what to say. And if I bring attention to this, am I going to make it worse? Mm. It can be no worse than what happened in 2020, is my opinion. (laughs) At this point in time in history, I don't think we can make it any worse than what we have just experienced. So 
let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Which I don't know why people say that. That's gross. I've never heard that. You've never heard that? Is that a Southern thing? I have never heard eat an elephant. Yeah. Kristen, have you heard that? Kristen's heard that. McGuilty. Okay, anything I'm like it? Minnesota born. If you want to eat something really big, you eat it one bite I've at heard, a time. Like talk about the elephant in the room, but it's never gotten to like eating it. I may have mixed a couple things there oh together, my gosh. but no. Kristen so. says you're right. So. <laughs> That's so funny. So yeah, I think the key to this is communication and communication yes. with grace. Mm-hmm. Let's receive grace. Let's give grace. And I love that you said you have no idea really what the pastor and leadership, because they might want to have this conversation, but Mm -hmm. one, are afraid because they don't know. That's not something they experience. And then they don't know who they can trust to Mm -hmm. to start that conversation. Mm -hmm. So just having that. And for the pastoral staff, just having a humble heart. Yes. I think it's, we instantly, and I am really bad at this. I Mm -hmm. get defensive. Sure. Really defensive. Sure. And we don't like, I don't like to feel that people think I'm doing a bad job or that I'm incompetent. Right. And so if anyone even comes up to me and says, hey, I think we could do this better, my Mm. natural, and I think human nature is to get defensive. But instantly saying like, you know what? Thank you for bringing this perspective. Let's Mm -hmm. have a conversation. Absolutely. Can be a game changer. Absolutely. And then something that I say to myself and to fellow friends of color, and I was like, look, this is already a contentious topic. I don't think coming angry Mm. helps the conversation. Now, let me throw in a semicolon there. That doesn't mean that you cannot be passionate, Mm -hmm. right? I think there's a difference between attacking and being passionate about Mm -hmm. something. Um, So much so, you maybe have heard this, um, there is a stigma, angry black women, right? And so when I'm speaking and I get super passionate, especially when I'm here in Minnesota speaking, Mm -hmm. I will sometimes stop. Kristen, you've probably heard me say it and say, I'm not yelling at you. I am incredibly passionate about what I'm saying right now, If specifically if it's a biblical truth of freedom that can impede someone's freedom, to give context. I wish I did not have to give context, but because I am aware of the world that we live in, I'm not willing to lose one, two, three, four, five people who are listening to me thinking, why is she being so angry about this right now? It is because I'm fierce and passionate about the church being all that God has called us to be. And for this particular issue, so I'll be passionate about it, but I'm not going to come angry and attacking because you are my brother or sister, right? Mm -hmm. And for me to come attacking, I'm going to slow down and impede our progress from the jump. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and and it's okay to be passionate. Passion doesn't mean anger per se. So. No, I'm glad that you say that. And I think that we can acknowledge too, like you can be Mm -hmm. mad. Mm -hmm. You can be upset, but yeah, how are you approaching it? Because right. your feelings are valid. Absolutely. You know, our feelings are absolutely valid. Absolutely. So you said something um, in what kind of the, our, your bio and as we were processing and preparing for this where I'm like, ooh, I want to hear more about that. You said internationally powered by the Holy Spirit is key in becoming a unified body. Mm-hmm. Can you talk more about that? Because yeah. you said that. I'm like, oh, I have goosebumps already. What does yeah. that mean? What does that look like? Well, already, if you're a believer, then the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? And then we have baptism in the Holy Spirit that gives us power to be witnesses. And I think that the person of the Holy Spirit is so underutilized in our church. Mm-hmm. We're like, let's get filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's get our prayer language check. We don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. Mm. But Jesus said, I'm going to leave you another comforter. It's better that I go 
so that he comes and empowers you. Mm -hmm. And so I've been in a space over the last year where I've really been trying to focus on, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me today? Mm -hmm. How am I going to navigate these different situations? And I think it's in John where it says the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And I don't think that we can have these conversations around race without leaning into the power of Holy Spirit in Mm -hmm. our lives Mm -hmm. and our minds to renew our hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the Holy Spirit that searches the depths of God and reveals that to us. Mm -hmm. It is the Holy Spirit that allows us to have the mind of Christ so that when we're walking into these conversations as believers, that we're coming with an olive branch. We're coming with peace. We we are coming with strength and authority, Mm -hmm. but we are also coming with grace and mercy. Um, And I think that's important for the church. And if I had to say like one last thing about the church around these issues, I've heard so many people say, I just don't want to be made to feel guilty over something that I did not do. Mm. And I think there's a difference between feeling guilty and admitting something that has happened in our nation. The book of Nehemiah is an excellent example of when he heard about the state of the walls of Jerusalem and he went before God and he confessed and he repented for himself and for his fathers. Nehemiah was not not following God, Mm. yet he repented for something that his people had done. Mm. And I just think that there is a lot of power when the people of God say, okay, I may not have directly done X, but God, I repent before you for how my brothers and sisters have been treated in antiquity and how my brothers and sisters have been treated in this present day. Mm -hmm. Show us how we can go forward to love and to bring in those that you are very much in just as much as you're in me, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense 100%. It's a lot of, too, that that difference between being empathetic and sympathetic yes, and being having sympathy like oh I'm sorry this happened to you but empathy of like I am like broken with you right. I am sorry and I'm sorry that this are experiences that you are feeling and mm-hmm. like I want to join you right. in this mm-hmm. and to make this improve right and that's intentional being led and filled with the power of Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. We cannot, we are kidding ourselves if we think that we are going to do these race conversations without being led by a Holy Spirit. It's just, I don't think it's going to happen. Not to a sustainable point. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. No, I, I seriously just really appreciate this conversation and you being willing to talk with us because obviously this is not something like, oh, we talked for 30 minutes. We solved it. We did it, guys. <laughs> Good we job. Figured Good job, it everyone. <laughs> we can all go home. Yeah. No, it's like this is a deep yeah. conversation that will continue to go yes. on as it should yes. for a lifetime for and always be thinking these things for many reasons. Absolutely. So I really appreciate you being here. Any final things, any pieces of encouragement? Yes. I have hope there is hope because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm. His church is alive. His Mm -hmm. church is growing. His church is moving. God is doing what he said he would do. That's so good. I'm so thankful you're here again. Um, what, how can people get connected with you? Sure. You can find me on most of the social media outlets. So I'm on Twitter, but I don't post. But I am on Instagram and do, and I'm on Facebook. And so um, and PortiaAllen.com. You can find me there. And your podcast name again is? She Speaks Stories. She Speaks Stories. Yes. I love that. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank Our you. time always flies when we do this because we just get passionate. Yes, There's that passionate. word again <laughs> about these things. So thank you so much. Thank you, McKelty. I've enjoyed my time. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us for this leadership episode of E to the Power of Three. We were honored to hear from Portia Allen and McKelty Bloom on talking about and growing in racial unity within the church. Connect with more resources from Portia by going to PortiaAllen.com, by following Portia Allen on social media, or checking out the podcast she works with called She Speaks Stories. And don't forget to follow MNBTG on social media or go to MNBTG.org to stay up to date on more from Bridging the Gap. We look forward to being with you next time on E to the Power of Three. 